Welcome back to another episode, guys. I was joined by a very special guest for this week's episode. I was joined by Danny Kennedy, who's a uh, worldwide online trainer. He's the head trainer at Keep It Cleaner, working closely with Steph Claire Smith and Laura Henshaw. Um, he's also got his own podcast in the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Um, it's had over 3 million downloads um, and, and provides some amazing content for everyone. So, Definitely go check out Danny's podcast as well, um, but in today's episode, we break down a lot of things fat loss. Danny will take us through um, some of the biggest misconceptions and ways to help you guys um, achieve your fat loss goals, and it was a really good chat. I mean, the really good part as well is Danny takes us through his daily non-negotiables, which um, will help anyone. I mean, motivation doesn't last forever, but Danny really breaks it down for us and shows us how we can achieve long-term sustainable results. So um, if you do take a lot out of today's episode, please share it to your Instagram story, tag me, tag Danny, and yeah, enjoy, guys. Danny Kenny, welcome to the podcast, mate. Jack, thanks for having me on, brother. Appreciate it. Man, first of all, how are you? How's the knee coming along? Yeah, it's not too bad, man. Um, so yeah, I had the third off on the knee earlier this week. And uh, this one this one should probably be like the... The quickest recovery out of all of them, I'd say. So just got to do all the right things now and should be should be good to go in um, hopefully three to four weeks. I'll be back doing some form of strength work. Is Russ, uh, is he helping along with the recovery or is he making it a bit tougher? No, nah, he's good. He's good. Good company. Russ is um, he's actually sitting outside on the balcony at the moment. Oh, lap, no lap way. Up a bit of sun. Yeah. I was hoping he'd jump on. I've never um, had a dog on the podcast before and I knew this would be my best chance. Don't worry about it. I'm sure he'll come at some point. Any any time I record a podcast, he decides it's a fucking good idea to come and come in and make as much noise as possible. Oh, I love it. I really want to dive into a little bit of fat loss stuff. And I thought like there'd be no better bloke to have on. Obviously, you used to train me. So yeah, you touched on a lot of that stuff with me and taught me, you know, the proper ways about it and stuff. So um, yeah, I'm super excited to dive into some fat loss things with you. Yeah, I know, mate, it'd be good. Um, yeah, like I said, appreciate you having me on. It's uh, all these kind of health and fitness topics and stuff I've I've been kind of immersed in now for a fair long time. So, um, you know, I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of helping other people now, people like yourself. And, you know, I'll say off the bat, you should be super, super stoked with yourself, mate. It's awesome to see the fact that, you know, you've you started your career in the fitness industry now and got your podcast going and whatnot, which is a huge uh, contrast to, you know, what you were doing when we first started working together. So well done, mate. Thanks, man. I appreciate it a lot. All right, man, let's get into it. I just, I think it's important to do fat loss today just because like the world where it was two years ago to where it is now, um, you know, things are really opening up and gyms are right back at it, which is amazing. Like body comp and stuff like that wasn't really on people's minds going back a couple of years, you know, there was more important things happening. So um, I thought it'd be really good time to, to get this out. And so I want to get your opinion on some of the biggest misconceptions around fat loss in terms of um, nutrition and training. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, we could sit here and talk about it all day, but um, I guess some of the nutrition, I guess, is probably the the biggest thing when it comes to fat loss. Um, you know, without, without your nutrition, eating according, accordingly towards your goals, then you can train as hard as you want. But if your nutrition is not aligned, then you will not see results. And that's just all there is to it. So I think when, when we talk about fat loss, muscle growth, uh, more so fat loss though nutrition is the place that you need to start so i guess in terms of misconceptions there's 
there's a shitload of them, um, you know, all the way down from completely crash dieting and, and cutting out an absurd amount of calories. Um, one of the biggest things that, that one of the biggest areas people go wrong is restricting themselves from certain food groups or certain drinks and things that they enjoy most purely because they think they need to cut that out in order to see fat loss, which just is not the case. Um, and I'm sure we'll touch on, I guess, a bit more detail about the, the, the macros and calorie side of things, um, at some point in this chat, but yeah, you know, cutting out certain food groups, restricting calories excessively with nutrition, um, you know, following certain quote unquote diets that, uh, that people have zero intention of sticking to in the long term. So, you know, I spoke about this maybe on the podcast recently, um, it makes no sense to me why someone would start any form of program or diet. Obviously training programs vary a bit, but nutrition, um, especially it makes no sense to me why someone would start a, a nutritional approach with the intention of stopping it in eight, 10, 12 weeks time. Um, I often talk about volume dials and what I mean by that is, you know, when you're tracking your calorie intake and when you're, you're at different stages of your, your training and your nutrition, we have specific goals. So let's use the example of Christmas over Christmas period, you're turning that volume dial right down. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're still doing the fundamentals. You're still making sure you're roughly close to your calorie intake. You're still eating enough protein, aiming for mostly nutrient dense whole foods and whatnot, but you're not going to, it doesn't matter if you have a day where you go out or a couple of days where you blow over. Um, it, it doesn't matter so much exactly what food you're eating. It doesn't matter if you don't exactly hit your protein one day in, in the, big scheme of things, consistency over time is the most important thing. And I always say, I'm sure I said it, said it to you at some point in time is that, you know, you're much better off having a good to great month than a perfect week because everyone strives for the perfect week with nutrition and training. And, you know, Monday to Friday, they, they do everything to an absolute T they go super disciplined. They cut out all this shit. They train excessively and they get to Saturday and Sunday and they fuck it all up by, yeah. by blowing out on their calories or, you know, being that com completely ruined from their training that they don't even want to go to training the following week. So you, you want to stay away from extremes, I guess. So that's where a lot of the misconceptions come from, particularly with nutrition and, you know, other very common things like um, thinking that carbs are bad um, or fats are bad and certain foods are bad, all this type of shit. There's, it's endless. There's so much shit that in the nutrition space that is just a biggest load of shit that so many people read, read into, unfortunately, because it is so saturated, the nutrition market, and you can pretty much say whatever you want. So these big shiny objects and the, the real special diets that you cut all this shit out and you be super restrictive. I think people think that because it's hard or because it's new or because it's a, it's promoted by a celebrity or whatever that it works. And that's the only way that works, but it's just not the case. Nutrition is simple. It is so easy. It took me a long time to figure that out. But once I, once I learned the, the proper tools that I would use for the rest of my life with nutrition and what I teach all my clients now, it was just like a light bulb moment. It was like, fuck, this is easy. I don't have to stress about food ever again in my whole entire life. I, there's no guesswork anymore. This is all just, it's straightforward. It, it, there should never be any guesswork when it comes to fat loss or when it comes to muscle growth. It's just the same as running a business. It's knowing your numbers. It's, um, it's doing the fundamentals well, and it's not that hard. You don't need to be like, you don't need to be, need to be like a David Goggins to get in shape. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you just need to do a few things consistently well, and you will see results and they're not that difficult and anyone can do them. Um, so yeah, I guess that's probably a good place to start. And then you, the training side of things is quite similar. It's just, 
Um, yeah, I don't even know where to start with, with the training <laughs> side of things. Just to revert back, even when you said with the knowing your numbers and the, the tracking your stuff, like when I used to follow like all the fad diets and fucking restrict myself to the point where I just hated it. You know what I mean? Um, you kind of mm. showed me like a more enjoyable way to, to lose fat. And um, that's why I think tracking like plays a, a massive point. So if people were trying to get into tracking, like how would you advise them around that? Cause when there was times where I track like when I was following fat diets and fuck man, I was having like maybe 1200 calories a day. And then obviously that's why I was bombing out on the weekend just cause I hated the whole process. Like, I had no idea what was going into my body until I actually learned how to track properly. So how do you go putting kind of tracking on your clients at the moment? And what's the most important steps to it when you do track or when you start tracking? Yeah. So firstly, like, like you touched on before, you know, everyone does go for these fad diets and, and cuts all this stuff out. And that it, it's like, there's some, um, the, the biggest fuck up is people have this perception in their head that when you think of fat loss or weight loss, it's instantly, your, your thought process goes to negative. It goes like, ah, oh, fuck shit. It's going to be so hard. I need to stop doing all the stuff I enjoy. I can't go out for dinner and stuff anymore. It's just not the case. Like yeah. people restrict themselves excessively when it's not necessary. The only thing that should be restricted when you are trying to lose fat is your calorie intake. And that's only to a certain degree as well. Like nowhere near as much as what people would expect. So tracking your food intake. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of formulas online. You know, I've got some on my website, there's formulas, you'll find them everywhere, macro calculators, all that type of stuff. But the most important thing initially is to figure out roughly how many calories you need to eat on a daily basis. Like assuming that your training is going to stay similar to maintain your weight. So like I said, there's formulas, there's calculators online. You can figure that out. Or the, the most effective way, in my opinion, is to just download the, my fitness pal app track your food normally for a week. Like don't change anything compared to what you have been. So if you eat like shit every day, then keep eating like shit and track it in your intake. Track your food intake over the span of the week. Take your average weekly weight. So weigh yourself every morning on an empty stomach and take a weekly average. Once you get to the end of the week, all you need to do is see on average how many calories you ate per day and also on average, what was your body weight for the week? If it stayed the same, then whatever that calorie intake number is, is your maintenance calorie intake. If your weight went up, then you're probably in a slight surplus. If it went down, you're probably in a slight deficit. So the biggest thing initially is knowing roughly what your maintenance calorie intake is. So this is, this is as hard as it gets, right? So from this point, like I said, there's no guesswork involved. If I want to lose body fat, I simply need to eat below my maintenance calorie intake on a consistent basis. If I want to gain weight, gain muscle mass, gain, gain size. I need to consistently eat slightly above my calorie maintenance for an extended period of time. And obviously you're going to reach points where you hit plateaus and whatnot. And we can talk about that after, but that's as hard as it gets. So the key things you need is to roughly know how many calories you're aiming for. Now, when I talk about a calorie deficit, all that means is that you're burning more energy than you're taking in. So you're eating below your maintenance. I recommend anywhere between two to 500 calories below maintenance. So if you maintain your weight at 2,500 calories, you might start your fat loss phase at 2,300 or 2,200 doesn't need to be huge drop because the problem everyone makes or the mistake everyone makes a lot of people anyway is their maintenance might be 2500 and they decide they want to lose weight and they start eating like a thousand calories a day yeah fucking stupid so like the first couple weeks yes you will lose weight it's like it's science it's not there's nothing special about it like there is no question at all you will lose weight in the first couple weeks but you'll hit a fat loss plateau super quickly and from that point onwards you've dug yourself a, a deep hole and it is not there's not really anywhere to go. So 
yeah, starting figuring out what your calorie intake is, whether it's fat loss, muscle gain, maintenance, whatever. Downloading an app such as MyFitnessPal. There's shitloads of apps out there you can use. Um, and then just tracking your intake. So the first couple of weeks, you know, this is the pushback I get all the time is that people don't come be fucked using MyFitnessPal or they yeah. don't have time to use the app and all this stuff. I'm like, mate, you spend like three hours a day scrolling through Instagram. You've got time. It, it, once you figure this out, it'll take you two minutes every single day to track your food intake in an app, which is guaranteeing that you will see results. So if you cannot commit to that, then you really don't want to see results. That's, that's, what, that's what I tell people. I'm like, if you don't, if you can't commit to using an app on your phone for two to three minutes a day, then you're not serious about seeing results. So apps such as MyFitnessPal um, and then track your food. So, you know, there's a bunch of different things we can go into with MyFitnessPal, but it's pretty straightforward. Like if I'm having a, a My Muscle Chef meal for lunch, I'll scan the barcode, plug it into the app. The app keeps track of my daily total. If I'm cooking something from scratch, I'll put in the single ingredient. So if I'm having 200 grams of chicken breast, I'll put that in. If I'm having some rice, I'll put that in. And then over time, this stuff gets easier. The first couple of weeks, it'll, it probably will be a bit of a hassle and it'll take a bit of getting used to using the app, but it's simple. Like right now, if I'm serious about losing body fat, every single morning, I'll open up the app. I'll put in a rough estimate of what I'm going to eat for the day and then just track and then and track my food intake. So the, the reason for this is that every single day, I want to be as close as I can to my calorie target. And then the second thing that's super important is your protein minimum. So what I mean by that is there's a certain amount of protein you want to hit every single day at an absolute minimum. If you go above, it's fine. But ideally you want to be trying to aim for two grams of protein per kilo of body weight every single day. That's just a, a rough guide, but that's what I like to use. So they're the two numbers you really need to track. And if you do those two things consistently, you'll see results. So all of a sudden, you know, carb timing, how many grams of carbs, like what type of potato you're eating, what time of the day it is, all this type of shit doesn't matter. It's like people worry about these tiniest stupid little details that make very little difference, Yeah. but they don't take care of the main thing. And that's the two main things, calorie intake, protein minimum. And then, you know, I think it's, it's common sense, but still a lot of people kind of need to hear it, I guess, is that majority of your food should come from nutrient dense whole foods. It's like, I always use the example of a sports car. So if I buy a Ferrari, and I go to the servo and I put in the, the cheapest shittest fuel at the service station, then I can't be surprised if the car runs like shit or if it breaks down or if it doesn't perform at its best. So think of your body the same way. If I want my body to run as well as it possibly can, I need to provide it with high quality fuel. And that that's in, in this case, that's food. So, um, you know, but I guess like the, the selling point or the, the exciting part about tracking your intake is that you don't have to cut out all the things you like. So, if 80 to 90% of my food and drinks coming from nutrient dense whole foods, there's still 10 to 20% left over if I want to, to use on other things. So like I eat ice cream pretty much every single day before bed. Most weeks I'm having a couple of glasses of wine on a Friday and a Saturday at dinner with my partner. Um, if I want to go to a cafe and if I want to go to fucking whatever, if I want to go to Macca's and have breakfast at McDonald's, I can do that and still see fat loss. I don't have to sit here feeling guilty. I don't have to start yeah. again, start again next week, which so many people do. These are all very simple things and easy things that every single person can do that requires not much discipline at all to see guaranteed results. Yeah. So I think when people have that, that mindset switch and they realize that shit, I don't have to focus on all these little things. I don't have to buy certain supplements. I don't have to buy 
fucking gluten-free foods and all this type of stuff, which, you know, if that's what you want to do, you can do it, but it's, you don't have to do all this crazy stuff just to see results. It doesn't work like that. Oh, absolutely, man. So well answered. And then my fitness pal thing, like, I think one thing I I saw, I think I might even got it from you. It was like, um, if you can't be fucked chucking your own food to lose fat that you wanted, then you've got bigger problems anyway. Um, and that really like, that really stuck with me huge, but yeah, with the tracking thing, like it's so easy because after a certain amount of time, it just saves the food there anyway. So like, even though yeah. the first two weeks might be tough for you, like every day after that, it's almost automatically saved there. Like it's, it's just- easy. It comes up with your recent, re, you know, recent or frequent foods that you've chosen and all that type of stuff. But I mean, look, for my recommendation most of the time is that you probably should be eating similar things most days. Yeah, you know, it's not like you don't want to be starting to track your macros and then all of a sudden you're trying to eat something different every single meal just because you can. Like I typically eat the same stuff for breakfast, mostly the same stuff for dinner, same snacks each day usually, but I have the freedom and the flexibility that if I do want to go out or if I don't have anything prepared, it's not stressful. It, I don't have to, like I said, I don't have to start again tomorrow. I just adjust my daily intake to what's available. And, you know, I talk about, your calorie intake, like a financial budget. So the start of the day, you have a certain amount of money or a certain amount of calories to spend for the day. It's up to you how you spend it. If I go out and have a huge breakfast and it gets to lunchtime or mid afternoon and I'm fucking starving and I've got like 200, 200 calories left. Well, you're left with the choice then you either deal with it because it was your choice and you just didn't spend it wisely. Or, you know, you go over your calorie intake and there's plenty of things you can do there. You can, um, you know, add those calories on to a different day or, um, sorry, you can take the calories away from a different day or you can just kind of let it, let it slide or whatever it may be. But being consciously aware of your numbers, just, just that in itself will be a game changer for everybody listening. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Um, just revert back to the, um, the just below maintenance style for the deficit, uh, just in your opinion, mate. And I know that you said like people restrict to a thousand, to a thousand calories a day and they lose a shitload in a quick amount of time. What is a good weight loss range on a weekly basis? In terms of like how much of a deficit? Yeah. Like how many grams lost per week is, is a good range. Uh, um, I mean, early stages, it kind of depends, right? So if you've got a lot of weight to lose the initial stages, you're going to lose big chunks of weight compared to someone who's only got a couple of kilos to lose. It's like, it's again, it's common sense. But even for someone who's, say, got three or four kilos to lose, the initial phases of your fat loss journey will be quicker than the later stages. So a big reason for that is when you do reduce your calorie intake, because you're eating less calories, your body's holding on to one, less weight, two, less water weight from the the well, like what the carbohydrates would be holding in your body already. So your glycogen stores are probably going down a bit. So you do lose a bit of a chunk at the start. But on average, you know, I, I aim for my clients to be losing roughly half a kilo a week. Yeah. And that's sustainable. That mean that that's going to give you the indication that one, your calories are high enough that you're not crash dieting. Two, you're most likely not losing muscle mass. And three, it's something that's going to be sustainable for a longer period of time. Because if I just try and lose four kilos in one week, I could do it. I could definitely do that. But the second week, I need to either stick with that same approach. Otherwise, the weight loss is going to stop. And two, if I do another week or two or three more weeks, I'm going to be losing like weight, which when we're trying to get lean, the, the goal is to lose fat, not weight. Because if you're losing weight, like that could be anything. And that's most likely going to be muscle mass if you're dieting too quickly. Yeah. And like, actually, this is pretty funny because when I put out the Instagram grab for a few questions and I was going to ramble this off to you anyway, um, 
I struggle a little bit with my clients in this, especially people who are, are new to the gym and new to tracking and stuff, but just with the importance of keeping protein high whilst dieting. Um, mm-hmm. It was actually one I got off Instagram and yeah. Why is it so important to keep your protein high? And it's actually funny because you did send it out an email on this today. So it should be mm. nice and fresh in the mind. Um, but yeah, why is it important, mate? Yeah. Well, like, so we'll start with the opposite. So when you're in a calorie surplus, um, you've got a, more than enough food to recover and grow and, and, and survive. Yeah. Your body has, like I said, an excess of, of calories to, to use. So you've got plenty of energy to use. So that's where I recommend protein stays at around that two grams per kilo. And for some people, it may even be slightly less. When you're in a deficit, your body is in a position it doesn't want to be in. So you're burning more energy than you're taking in, which is why we lose fat. And why a lot of the time you feel hungry. And when you get super lean, you don't feel great. You feel like you have low energy a lot of the time and all that type of stuff. It's because your body's in a position it doesn't want to be in. So if we're losing weight and we're losing fat, ideally, the reason why we keep protein on the higher end is because that allows us to retain hopefully more muscle mass because we need that extra protein to recover our muscles after we train to you know, recover and repair, to grow the muscles potentially. Um, and it's also a metabolic uh, macronutrient as well. So it's going to help. Um, it's uh, sorry, a thermogenic uh, macronutrient. Sorry. So it's like, it's going to help you burn fat more than what a carbohydrate or, or a fat will. Um, so, that's why, man. So yeah, I, whenever I'm in a fat loss phase, I bump my protein up a little bit higher, um, purely just so I can try and retain as much muscle mass and strength as possible in that process. Yeah. Awesome. I just wanted to move on to some of like your personal stuff. Cause obviously we can talk about clients and a broader community around fat loss and their um, misconceptions, like we touched on them before, but when you enter a deficit or a, a fat loss phase, and I know you've done your eight week challenge stuff and all that. Um, and your recent training videos are like, Awesome. So what's your step-by-step process that you go into? Because obviously you've been to levels where you've been super, super lean, man. Like you've competed and stuff like that. Um, so talk to me what, what's that like on like a personal level for you? So the process for losing fat? Yeah, for you. Like especially when you get to those super lean levels and have your like metabolic adaptation style. I mean, so uh, if I know I'm going to be going into a calorie deficit, I'll try and start with my calories as high as possible. So um, I'll finish my gaining phase by kind of climbing my, my maintenance calorie intake up as high as possible. So let's say, for example, I finished my, my gaining phase at 3,200 calories or something like that, which is not that high, not that high really. Like when I was competing and stuff, I would start my fat loss phases. Like I'd finish my gaining phase between four and 5,000 calories. I would, my energy output was probably a bit higher then as well. And my metabolism was super, super fast. But uh, yeah, so wherever I finish my gaining phase, I'll take an initial chunk away from that. So if I finish at 3,200, I might start my fat loss phase at, let's say 2,800. So I've taken 400 calories away. So seven days a week, I'm aiming for 2,800 calories, hit my protein minimum. Training for me really doesn't change at all, pretty much, apart yeah. like whether I'm gaining or losing fat. The only real thing that changes in a fat loss phase is one, I'm a lot more... Um, I take notice a lot more of how I'm recovering between sessions. So I don't want to overdo it with my training because I am losing weight, um, losing fat. And I always start my fat loss phase 
typically with no cardio at all. Um, so my kind of like little motto is when I go into a fat loss phase, I want to start with calories as high as possible, meaning that I'm only just below maintenance and start with training as low as possible, meaning that I might start with four sessions in the gym per week and no cardio. So the reason for that is because I give myself shitloads of room to move. So let's say I start my fat loss phase at 2,800 calories and four strength training sessions a week. First couple of weeks, I'll lose some weight, lose some fat, sorry. Uh, and then two weeks down, I hit a plateau. So for a whole week, I haven't lost a, kilo, a, a, a gram at all. Like I'm just, my weight has stagnated. It's very simple now. So I have two choices. I can either increase energy output. So for me, that's what I typically like to do. I prefer to do more training than to eat less food. So I'll try and keep calories a bit higher. So uh, if I was going to if I was going to drop calories from there, very small decrease, I'd go to 2,700 instead of 28. If I was going to increase energy output, I've got a couple options. I can either add some more volume to my current days I've already got, or I could add a fifth day if I wanted to, or I can add a small amount of cardio if I want to. And then the process is the same every time you reach a plateau. So the reason why we start with a higher intake of food and a lower um, output of energy is because whenever we hit a plateau, we have so much room to move. So that, that allows me then to be in a deficit for an extended period of time while retaining muscle mass and keeping calories higher. So, and I guess the only other thing that I would, I would typically do in that fat loss phase is once I get a lot leaner, um, I'll typically keep one higher calorie day in there. Um, sometimes two. Um, so uh, my weekly average stays the same. Um, my calorie intake average stays the same, but I just delegate those, uh, those calories differently across the seven days to allow myself to have some days, which are much higher. So it feels like you're not dieting at all. Um, and it's great mentally. It can be great physically for recovery and for energy levels for the coming days and whatnot. And that's just the process. There's really nothing too crazy to it. You know, when I used to compete, I would document a lot of my journey through YouTube and social media and stuff. And, you know, I was eating ice cream, like I said, still eating ice cream every day. Um, the leanest I've ever been in my whole entire life. I wasn't doing a single second of cardio in that, that specific process at all. Yeah. I was training in the gym, lifting weights six days a week, uh, one full day off. My calories were still pretty high. Like I think the lowest they got was like 2,500 or something like that, which is still high. Still pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah, it's just time. Like I always allow myself more time than I think I need. So if I'm trying to get lean now, I, I don't really care like how lean I get. So um, I'll usually just set like a period of time that I want to be in a deficit for. But if I'm, when I was competing, uh, if I, you know, I would typically give myself between 16 and 20 weeks to be at the level of body fat I want to be at. So that means again, that I can keep food higher. Training can be much better. I will lose less muscle mass and I'll feel better the whole way through instead of giving myself 10 weeks and having to go quite aggressive with it. Yeah. No, awesome, mate. And just to revert back to that that time frame, like I always think it's important for people to set a time frame that they need to be in a deficit for. And obviously, yours being you know sixteen to twenty weeks might be a lot higher than the average person's. Like, oh, I want to cut down between eight and ten weeks. So, like, how come you keep yours in that such a bigger time frame between that sixteen and twenty weeks? Yeah. Well, like keep in mind, this is to get to the level of body fat where it looks like you have no fat at all. It's just yeah. like an excessive it's, it's not healthy. Like when you're at that level of body fat, it's not healthy at all. Yeah. But, but you know, for, even for the average person, if you wanted to get in shape, say in, you had a date, right? So say you had a date in a few months time, if you think it's going to take you 10 weeks to get that lean, give yourself 12. 
because the reason for that one, like I said, it allows you to diet slower. So it's more enjoyable. It's way more enjoyable. And two, it also uh, leaves you um, margin for error. So, you know, obviously at the moment COVID is, uh, is taking over the fucking world. So <laughs> yeah. you might get COVID, you might get COVID, which means you can't leave your house. You may not feel like training. You may not eat properly for a week. So you've allowed yourself a bit of a buffer in yeah. case something does go wrong. You might get a niggle in training and you have to miss a few sessions. So you allow yourself that buffer to still reach your goal without having to panic and make drastic, drastic changes where you're dropping food too low or you're doing a shitload of cardio just to get lean enough when you 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 won't look as good because you've you've gone too low with your food. Yeah. Oh man, the COVID stuff is crazy because I've had a few clients have COVID come back to training and even after like two or so months, they've still been like their training's been they just feel horrible. Like have you had much experience with that? Yeah, I got it in November. Um I think I got Delta. Uh, I got it pretty bad and yeah. uh I'm still fucked. Like I I gotta go get some blood tests next week, but you know, I still have serious brain fog. My training, like when I'm training, I, I get tired very quickly. My heart rate stays a lot higher. So like when I use my Apple watch, when I'm training, like some sessions I'm burning like thousand calories from an upper body weight session. Shit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, I guess that's whatever, you know, they're calling it long COVID or whatever, which some people will get affected by. So yeah, it's like, it's not ideal. It's pretty shit. Like, especially when you know what it feels like to feel good and healthy, it's, it's, frustrating and difficult when you you feel like shit for no reason like i obviously don't have COVID anymore but um yeah still wake up feeling very very cloudy mentally low energy levels and get super tired during the day um yeah yeah unfortunately it is what it is yeah shit man full on got a bit going on down at your place with the knee and the long COVID. yeah a bit going on man hopefully you get through it with the blood tests and and stuff like that but oh the fat loss stuff obviously we can talk all day about um, the nitty gritty and the tracking and stuff like that. But honestly, what I found most helpful during my fat loss phase and the reason why um, I was able to, to kind of cut down and a lot I see with my clients is uh, building an environment that I could thrive in. Um, and this is something I really wanted to touch on with you today because it helped me massively. Like a long time ago, man, I did like no journaling, no meditation type stuff. And um like, I just feel like now I can't go without doing it. And when you speak about when you're feeling down with your long COVID and stuff like that, and you've got your daily non-negotiables, like how important is it for people to have, you know, morning routines or daily non-negotiables that help them? Because like motivation, as we know, it only gets you so far, but the habits you build along the way is going to get you there. You know what I mean? So how mm. big of an impact do you reckon the routine stuff plays? Yeah. Well, like you said, motivation comes and goes. Like, I, I don't care who you are. There's not one person I know that is motivated every single day of their life. It just doesn't happen that way, but building and, and ingraining certain habits in your day is like you said, becomes non-negotiable. So <clears throat> I guess you need to sit down and figure out personally to you, like what's important and, and, and what needs to be done. Like what's necessarily what's necessary to be done to, to achieve that goal or to feel that way. So, you know, if you need to have a productive day at work, then what are some things you can implement in your day that's going to allow you to be in the best place mentally and, and gain a lot of mental clarity to uh, allow that to happen. If it's, you know, you want to get in great shape, you need to be hydrated. So what do you need to do? What habits do you need to ingrain to, to make sure you're always hydrated? Like how often do you need to buy a bigger drink bottle? Do you need to, have a certain amount by a certain time of the day. So 
like for me, you know, I, I guess a quick look at what I do each day. Like, you know, I do a cold shower every single morning. Um, I meditate every single morning. Um, I have a journal that I do, like um, I write down things I'm grateful for and some small goals for the day because most people set goals, but they never revisit them. So if you, anyone can write down in, uh, in on January 1st what they want to achieve for the year, but if you don't look at it again until December 31st, then fuck, it was just a waste of time. So once you've figured out your goals, it's important to reverse engineer what smaller goals you need to achieve to make it happen. And that's where the habits come into play. So, you know, it might be learning every day. So, you know, I try and listen to at least 30 minutes of an audio book every single day. So, and the, the other thing is that you want to habit stack these. So you don't want to just go from doing nothing to trying to do 10 different things every single day. Cause it's like, like we talked about with the dieting side of things, try and do it all at once. It's, it's you're going to, you're setting yourself up for failure pretty much. So starting, you know, week one, what's the first habit I want to, I want to include into my day. It's if it's drinking water, right. I'm going to tick that off for seven days this week. Once I've done that and that becomes something that I don't have to think about as much, I'll add in another habit and the list doesn't need to be huge. It could just be three, four, five things that you do on a daily basis that, you know, uh, you know, set you up for a successful day. For me, it's like if I've done cold shower meditation and journaling before I leave the house, then I feel like I'm productive when I haven't even done anything. So the likelihood of me then actually doing something and being productive is so much higher than waking up 10 minutes before I need to be at work and just getting out of bed and walking out the door. So, yeah, you know, I've, I've found that that's what works for me. So I make it a priority every single day to do that, even on days where I'm not doing anything. So if I've just got a day off, I'll still do my morning routine because it, it's, it's a routine. It's a non-negotiable. It's a habit now that I don't have to force myself to do. But yeah, I guess the important thing is that don't try and do it all at once. It's just gradually add those in over time until they become a habit. So you don't have to put too much conscious thought and effort into it. And then you can add something else as well. Uh, the cold showers. I always listen to your podcast and you say, yeah, I always take one, but I want to know like how hard was it at the start and how long do you actually do it for? Oh, it's fucked at the start. It's still pretty, <laughs> it's still pretty shit some days now, but you know, I, I, I do mine for, I have a normal shower first usually, and then just finish on full cold, um, standing on there completely, uh, focus on my breathing. So really focusing on deep breaths, um, and controlling my breath. So not kind of like tightening up and hyperventilating. So relaxing, breathing through it. And I do it for 30 deep breaths. So, you know, ends up being kind of maybe roughly like a minute, I guess, uh, maybe a little bit longer. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it feels great. Like there's, there's plenty of research and evidence to show like this scientifically proven, uh, benefits of it. But for me, it's not even about that. It's like, yeah, yes, I physically feel great after I get out of the shower. Cold I was going to say, is it more of a discipline thing for you doing it? Yeah. Well, I feel fucking incredible when I get out physically, yeah. but mentally as well. Like I feel super like crystal clear. Like I feel, I get out there, I feel like I'm ready to go. And the mental side of things is the willpower. It's like, I definitely don't want to get in a cold shower at four 30 in the morning in the middle of winter. Fuck but no. <laughs> if I said, I'm going to do it and I do it today and I do it tomorrow and the next day and I do it for a week and then a month and then two months and a year. And all of a sudden I'm doing it all the time. Like we talked about, it, it's a habit now. So I continue to build like willpower is a muscle that you need to continually work on. So if I'm continually every single day, even something as small as a cold shower, if I start every single day winning that little challenge, like winning that little battle with myself, then the likelihood of other things throughout the day that I may be procrastinating, the likelihood of me doing those is a lot higher. If I've already done something probably harder than what I'm going to have to do for the rest of the day, as soon as I get out of bed. 
I got to start having cold showers. I reckon everyone's doing Bloody it. Hours. So Bloody <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. Hopefully, I can get uh, maybe ten deep breaths and gradually yeah. build up to thirty. Good luck. <laughs> All right, man. You're giving us some amazing insights today. I've just got a few Instagram questions that I wanted to throw yep. you that people asked. Um, so I won't keep you too much longer, man, because you've given us some amazing value already. Um, but the first one I got, and this one actually, this one's a really good one. But what are the top two book recommendations for self-development that you've got? Uh, one of them would have to be The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari by Robin it. Sharma. Yeah. Um, probably one of my favorite books I've ever read, I think, um, in my opinion. I mean, there's there's so many of them. It's really hard to narrow it down to two. The other two that I've read this or the last six months that were really uh, profound is A New Earth by um, Eckhart Tolle. And uh, the other one was The Alchemist by... I don't even know how to say his name, but the alchemist, the alchemist is another fucking awesome book. Those, those three have been really powerful, but again, there's so many other ones that I've could taken so much value away from. And I never used to read, but the first thing I read, like the first proper book that I chose to read was, uh, was the greatness guide by Robin Sharma. And I was hooked on his books after that. And, and it really opened up a whole new world for me. It was like, like I said, I genuinely enjoyed reading it. I took so much value away from it. I, I started using it and implementing a lot of the stuff in the book. And, you know, ultimately it was like life changing because there's a lot of stuff I wasn't doing beforehand, which I still do to this day now after reading it. So that's the thing I like about it. It's like any book, there could be one sentence or one paragraph in a book that completely changes your whole life. So, you know, that's, that's I, really crazy, man, because I actually just started listening to the greatness guide by Robin Sharma. And, yep. um, and I was deliberating for a bit. I was like, oh, I'll reach out to Danny, see if he wants to come onto the podcast and have a chat about fat loss stuff. And then I was like, oh, I'll just leave it a couple of weeks. Like I'll keep banging a few out and, and then go from there. But then I actually, I listened to his book. I think I started it two days ago, man, when I messaged you. Mm. Um, and he just talks about like, you know, going on to do things you want to do and, like to grow, you kind of got to reach out and fail first. And then I was like, fuck it, man. I like, I'm just going to message Danny and see if we can't hook something mm -hmm. up this week. So that's like crazy ass. That's good, man. Well, that's the thing. Like so many opportunities that I've had in my career in the fitness industry and even just with friendships and whatever has purely been because of the fact that I've just asked for stuff Yeah. without the fear of rejection or tried something without the fear of failure or even if their fear of failure or rejection was there, I still did it anyway. And you know, like the worst thing, and you know, this is something I say a lot as well. Like if you're purposely not doing something because you're worried about rejection or failure, then it's already a reality. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. So like if you wanted me to come on your show and I said, no, it's exactly the same reality as if you didn't ask me because I'm still <laughs> yeah. not on your show. So yeah, like the reality, like the worst case scenario has already happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, only good can come from that. You know what that's I mean? It. So, so that's like, if you can get in that mentality, then you're going to go for certain things that you probably wouldn't usually. And you never know unless you ask. And here we are. <laughs> exactly right. That's it. Nah, it is an awesome book for anyone out there listening. Like I definitely recommend getting it. It was, it's a, it's a really good read. Um, but yeah, man, we'll jump into one of the other ones I got off. And this one's actually, it's a, it's a pretty good one. If, um, if you had to go back and do it all again, uh, I guess from where you are now, um, what would be the one bit of advice you'd tell yourself? I mean, it's hard to say because like I, I, I am a big believer that everything happens for a reason. So even all the fuck ups and the failures along the way, like they happen for a reason and I learned a lot from them. And it's obviously like big reason as to why I'm able to do what I'm doing today. But the one thing I would go back and 
not so necessarily change, but something I'd put more focus on is the business side um, of running a business. Funnily enough, yeah. I didn't have much education around the actual business back end business side of stuff, finances, taxes, all that type of stuff, which I ran into some trouble with not trouble, but like I just had a lot of made a lot of mistakes and, and, and waste a lot of time and money with a lot of these things that I wouldn't have had to, if I had a put more time in early on learning them, um, like learning at least the foundation or the basics of these things, um, early days. Yeah. No, nice, man. Well answered. I love that. Um, this one's actually the last one for me, so I won't keep you a little bit longer, but you might laugh at this one, a bit of a cheeky <laughs> one, but we've seen, uh, Danny Kennedy, the world online trainer. We're seeing Danny Kennedy, the podcaster, when will we see Danny Kennedy, the author? Yeah, man. Well, uh, I've actually already started. So, um, oh, I love it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm creating an audio book at the moment. Uh, I've put it on pause a little, uh, like put it on hold at the moment. Um, but kind of, and uh, partway into recording that at the moment. So yeah, it won't be too far along, man, either, you know, towards the end of this year or early next year. Um, I'd say. Yeah. Beautiful. I knew you were probably in the works of it. I think I yeah. heard you talking about it with the girls on the kick pod and then they oh, kind of joking about it. And I was yeah. like, oh, I think I'll throw this one at him today. Yeah. <laughs> but um, man, thanks so much for jumping on. Like you, you've given us some um, amazing value with the fat loss stuff and obviously a little bit of your own thing in terms of your um, non-negotiables and stuff like that. So again, man, thank you so much for jumping on. I appreciate it. Pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me on.